hi everybody and uh, well welcome to another Kings of Anglia uh, special podcast with myself Mike Bacon and um, well I'm great to chat to a very special guy here in, about a very special season in Ipswich Town's history we'll get onto that in a minute um, because it's 30 years ago um, this year that uh, that town won the old what was the second division the current championship if you like and uh, catapulted themselves into the premiership a tremendous achievement the inaugural premiership as well the first the first year of the premiership um a one one draw at oxford um a secure promotion to the top flight in april um 1992 a fantastic achievement by the blues who've Obviously, had some great seasons, but this was right up there with one of them. And, well, one man who played every single game that season uh, for the Blues on their way to um, to the title. Well, we all know this guy, at the, a, a larger-than-life character and a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, I think he's about, he was about six foot ten when I last heard, but he's probably shrunk a little bit to six foot six or whatever. Um, look, it, it's Craig Forrest. He played more than 300 times for town and enjoyed some great times. And it's, it's a treat that he's, uh, he's, he's over there in Canada with his Ipswich Town shirts, if you're watching this on video. Um, Craig Forrest, what can I say? It's great to, It's great to see you. Oh, thanks for having me on, Mike. It really is always a treat to talk about Ipswich Town. It's never a hardship whatsoever. So I thought I would uh, dust off the old jersey and and pull out. Uh, I'm not. Even, I can't remember what year this one was actually. Quite well, honestly, well, we've got. Some, we'll have some experts uh, watching yeah. this who know, that, uh, who know that exactly. My, my friend Andy Warren probably being one of them. But um, yeah. yeah, but it was good. Yeah, great times. Great from when I was 16 when I arrived and. Bobby Ferguson was just taking over from Bobby Robson and uh, we're still in the top flight. My first match I ever saw was Manchester United at home uh, to, to with Ipswich. Uh, Gary Bailey was playing in net. You know, the, uh, just, the place was just incredibly, uh, should I say, like it, it made a decision in my life that I was like, this is really what I want to do. I, I, I just could not believe what I was watching and, and seeing and watching Ipswich Town play at that level was just absolutely special. It really was. And I was caught and I was really uh, bitten by the club from that moment on. I was going to say, because, um, I mean, it's, 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 it, it, you came over to England. You know, what, what, how did that all come about? How, how on earth did, and why Ipswich Town? How on earth did that all come about? I mean, you're, you're, you're miles away there in Canada where obviously you are today. And how on earth did Ipswich Town come about? Yeah, I was even further away. I was in Vancouver, which is another four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour flight uh, west of here in Toronto. So uh, it was really about, you know, you, you need a certain amount of luck and you need support. I had that. My family was amazing. My dad was great um, supporting that and supporting me through development and whatnot. But there was a guy called Phil Trenter, uh, who uh, the Trenter family is all from Ipswich. He was from Ipswich. He played in the Ipswich youth team back in the day. Um, there was a Canadian as well, uh, Bruce Twomley, who I believe played a couple of appearances, had a mm -hmm. really bad leg break um, when he was under Bobby Robson, I believe. So he ended up coming over to play in the North American Soccer League. I think the club with the past foreigners, uh, even France, Tyson and Arnold Muren and guys like that uh, played a role with the club, even being out in rural Ipswich. He had a manager, Bobby Robson, who had done it, and he was one of the first ones to bring him in. And if you remember, I mean, if you remember back at that time, though, there was a lot of, well, can they play in this, in the English league? It's too mm -hmm. tough. They're going to get the, you know, life kicked out of them and, you know, it's not going to work. And wow, how they were wrong. So I think the, the, the reaching out to foreign countries or looking for, you know, diamonds in the rough, maybe somewhere else uh, was something that they were open to more than maybe other clubs. Um, so Phil Trenter uh, had a connection with Ron Gray, the old uh, chief scout, uh, yeah. legendary Ron Gray. Uh, he got a connection, said, uh, got somebody I think you, you'd like to look at, uh, worth having a look at. And Ron said, yeah, if he's willing to pay his own flight over and, come over, uh, he's, we'll have him. So uh, that's what I did and uh, showed up at Heathrow with, with everything I owned, 16 years of age, made my way up the Liverpool Street. And that was another story, trying to find my way there. <laughs> and then Ron picked me up at Ipswich train station. God bless him. <laughs> and then he took, and then I went right to 
St. Leonard's Road in Ipswich. Yeah, and I know St. I know St. Leonard's Road. It's off Nacton Road, I think. That's, uh, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. And my old landlady, Mrs. Beryl Bond, I was straight to her place, and that's where I ended up staying for a couple of years in my digs. She was a massive part of, you know, looking after me, my my homesickness, because I mean, it's not like we can do what we can do now and chat online mm. and things like that. It was a, it was a about 50 P a minute to phone in 1984 to phone Canada. So my, my landlady actually had a lock on the phone. So I could, just in case you want to phone home, I'm not, you need the key. Nuts, the, right? the, the club, the club didn't pay her that much to, to keep you. <laughs> no. Well, I was on 25 pounds a week when I signed um, and Mrs. Bond was getting 35 pounds a week for oh, keeping right. me. So oh, she had well. to pay me or sort of feed me with that money. And, uh, and then, you know, I don't think she was doing it for the money. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I think she just really enjoyed having guys around. And there was a few other players that went through her place too, uh, back then, but she, yeah, she was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And, uh, yeah, she, she was my second mom. It was quite a daunting, um, quite a daunting move at 16 years old Craig just to fly across the fly across the other side of the world to 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 somewhere you didn't really know it was you're quite determined you're very determined to want to be a footballer mm, yeah it, yeah it was I uh school wasn't something that was something that I, I really enjoyed I I think I definitely had ADD and I, I just could not concentrate long enough on anything and I think that's why football was great because they're there's always something going on and balls coming at you and everything else. So mm. um, I really, and then having to leave before the end of uh, school here because the graduation would have been a year later was important. And it was also great advice uh, to get over there as early as you can because they're going to sign you on potential as opposed to if you go a year later, a couple of years, you're going to have to be almost the, the finished product or someone yeah. somewhat, somewhat close to it. So uh, that was important, and it certainly was uh, part of it because I certainly wasn't even close to the finished product, and uh, I had a hell of a time uh, with ball striking uh, at 16. I think my body was—I was six foot five. I think my body was still trying to catch up to me, and uh, that was the last thing that really came. But it was a—it uh, was a process, and uh, yeah, it was a wonderful time. And we also had a very good youth team. You know, Daly and Atkinson, Jason Dizel was part of that. Chris Kwame was part of that as well. And, you know, we we were very successful. Went over to France and played in a tournament with uh, Barcelona and Inter Milan, AC Milan. Glasgow Rangers were there. Um, Dinamo Kiev, Santiago de Chile. They're all over the world. And uh, wow. Porto Benfica, we ended up beating Porto in the final. And just, yeah, had a magnificent... That's, that's, yeah. That, that and the only reason why we ended up there, quite honestly, was because for some reason Arsenal pulled out and they only wanted like, you know, the top names, if you like, you know, and Ipswich, although uh, still coming out of the UEFA Cup years and the success of that, we're sort of, oh, okay, we'll phone Ipswich. Do they want to come to this tournament? So that's how we ended up there as a youth team and with Pete Trevivian as a coach who was yeah. also another great coach. Uh, for Ipswich at youth level, man, oh, he was so good with with the, the young younger generation and the guys, and you know his uh, his honesty and just a true gentleman was certainly a big part of my development too as a as a player and as a person. You talked about some of the players there, of course. We talk about the '92 season because a lot of those players featured in that strongly. Um, a good youth youth was Ipswich were born on youth around those around that that time and through the '70s and the '80s, weren't they? Absolutely. It was all about that. And I think, you know, that's how a club in a, in a town the size of Ipswich could compete. If you if you had the right uh, resources and the right coaches and the right uh, scouting system, you could actually do it. Um, days have changed. Uh, times have changed, uh, mm -hmm. as we know. I mean, looking at Ipswich even recently, you know, the likes of uh, the young uh, Mexican-Canadian lad that was there. Um, trying to remember his name, he's at Arsenal now. Uh, so he came over as a 12 year old tip switch. Oh, yeah, 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 you know, and he ends up being sold to Arsenal at 17 or 16, whatever, for half a million, I think, or something like that. So mm. you get to these situations where the clubs need the money, but back in the day, 
Terry Butcher, George Burley, John Wark, Craig Forrest, we're all going to move into the first team. We're going to spend that time. We're going to be, and then maybe someone who's going to come and pick the odd one away from you, as we saw with Ipswich um, in their heyday when, you know, Man United, Arsenal started to do the same to, to us then. But yeah. at least you had a chance to ha have some time with them and be successful with that group. Uh, so now it's it's difficult to compete. It really is. Um, and unless you're owned by a an oil state or, you know, a billionaire American, it's uh, it's really, really difficult. To, and, and they're looking for big market teams. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, so going back to you. So so there you were, Craig, 16 years old. That you're going to obviously don't know your youth. I suppose it's like a YTS scheme. I suppose you were there in, in those type of days. That's that what it's called or something like that. Um, did you? So. Your, your debut, so you might obviously, obviously you remember your debut, and uh, and well, how, how did it all come about? What can you obviously you remember the you remember it well? Yeah, I remember it really well. And before that, because uh, I'd gone on loan to Colchester for a couple months, oh. and uh, that was great because it was you know 20 miles down the road. Uh, Charlie Woods and the rest of the coaching staff could get down there and watch me play. Um, Sometimes the crowds weren't very big. You know, remember old uh, Lair Road there? Yes, of course. Everyone remembers Lair Road. What a yes, fantastic yeah. old ground. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It was so bad, it was good. <laughs> it had, it, I always thought Lair Road had one of the best home advantages because you you were just, you were on top of the players and the ground was always falling apart around you. But it was just it was just a brilliant football ground. You, it really anyone, who didn't, anyone who didn't go there missed a treat. Yeah, no, it's true. It really was, and even the the manager's office over was actually literally over top of Lair Road. Like yes. it was just there, that it was that close, and and sometimes the hot water worked, and sometimes it didn't. And <laughs> the dressing room, the corners were always dirty. It was it was quite something. And we usually we get changed there, and then go off to uh, one of the a military base to train, yeah. uh, which the pitch was just awful. Uh, Roger Brown, I believe, him was the manager then. So anyway, so. It, Playing in the fourth tier, get there down there with Colchester, it goes really well. I had a fantastic time. Um, I it was it was a lot of pressure, but then it was also uh, exciting because I was I was like, well, even at that age, I was like, I played in the football system, like I'm just a, you know I played in the league system, and and that alone, like I was like, wow, I was that was great, and mm -hmm. and so I had two months there because uh, they extended it to two months, right to the end of the season. And we were close to pushing for the playoffs and making a run that way. And um, then sort of the loan spell end. And I went back to Ipswich and it was the end of the season. Went home to Vancouver for a few weeks. Got a call from uh, uh, the club saying that they'd sold John Holsworth. And uh, uh, we we're going to put you in as a starting goalkeeper next year. So I was like, whoa. I that, guess must I been, that must have been quite some, it must have been quite a thrill to hear that. It, it was. And then on the other hand, I wish maybe they told me a little bit closer to like a couple of weeks later because I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> I was in my backyard. I was in my backyard throwing the ball off the side of the house and I was like like starting to get ready already. <laughs> so how, how old were you then, Craig? Were you about, tw were you about 20, 19, 20, 20 years old? Yeah. Yeah. 1920. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Tr tremendous. Yeah. And so the, it was actually Stoke away. Right. Yeah, and I remember that well. Uh, even you know, Romeo Zondervan was was great and support, and Frank Yallop and the guys. And yeah, I remember it incredibly well. I remember the dressing room. I remember going out in the pitch. I remember the crowd or going to the away crowd for the very first time and that experience. And yeah, yeah amazing, amazing. And we we drew two two, um, did okay and. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was just about trying to keep your spot and and uh, you know do a good job and and continue with that. So they were patient with me as well. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, made a few mistakes here and there, but they were really patient. And I think the the guys in front of me were great too. Like like I said, Romeo and and Frank and those types of guys were incredibly supportive and always say, "We got your back. We got your back. Don't worry about it. Just yeah. save shots." <laughs> yeah. and of course Ipswich were out of the Premier well it wasn't the Premier League then was it, it was Division 1 Ipswich were then back in Division 2 then for most of this time that's um, right but slowly heading back towards the time we really want to enjoy talking about which was that 91-92 season Ipswich had started to knock on the door of getting back up um, 
But before before we talk about the season a little bit, of course, it was the it was the season before the Premiership. It was the inaugural Premiership. You, you, know, you were whoever whoever won the second division that season was going to go not just in Division One. Division One was no more. It's going to be the Premiership. Um, and of course, we know the Premier League today. I mean, it's, it's just extraordinary, huge, you know, thing. But back then, it was very, it was obviously new. We didn't know really much about it. But mm-hmm. so, what was you, you know thought thoughts of the, you know you must have known the Premiership was the, was the, was the was the holy grail of the, of promotion that season ninety one ninety two. Well, you know, we didn't know the Premier League was the holy grail. What we did know was the top flight was. Yeah. Really was nothing for the players around that time than a name change. Okay, you're going to call it the Premier League and first, second, third division. And, you know, it it didn't really matter to to us. I think what happened, the Premier League evolved into something on its own. And, and, you know, you talk about records and it's the Premier League records and this, that and the other, which is which is also a little disappointing for the the past generations, because it's like, hold on a minute. Like we had top class premiership football years before the Premier League started as well, you know, and a lot of that is kind of missed. Um, so there was a power struggle. We know the whole situation with that. I mean, it certainly created a lot more money for the top flight. And I think it hurt some of the lower divisions for sure. And, you know, we saw the attempt at the Super League in Europe uh, uh, this past year, which is uh, which was a scary thing and something that I'm glad that the, the general football pub, uh, population and public together basically squash that. Mm-hmm. And it's not very often that us small guys can squash billionaires' ideas. They're just usually too big to fail. So that was great. But the Premier League was somewhat like that. But we didn't see much more than that. So it was years later when I, you know, when people brought up the fact that I was one of 13 foreigners that started on opening day. I was, I was first of all, taken aback a little bit because I didn't really consider myself <laughs> as a foreigner. I'd already been there for eight yeah. years in England. So I, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I am still technically a foreigner. Sure. And all right, whatever, but yeah. Uh, so it's, it, it, it was amazing. Uh, it turned into something fantastic and certainly something on his own. And, and it certainly changed from the time, uh, 92, uh, to when I actually retired in 2002, just the difference. Um, and certainly that influx of foreign, uh, money and foreign players that came into the league for the for the better or or not in some ways uh, it certainly did from a league's perspective because it's the best league in the world you you've 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 nicked one of my stats i hope you're happy with that that about the 13 foreigners i i don't i haven't got many stats here craig but that was one of them i was i was gonna i was gonna sit back and i was gonna feel i was gonna educate yourself and the whole population with this stat and you've just chucked it out there so i knew that um yeah i mean <laughs> we'll talk about how you go but you're right you were one of only 13 foreigners who mm-hmm. played on the for, for opening weekend of the premiership season in 1992 it's extraordinary now when you think of if you find 13 english players in there you've done well let alone <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah and it wasn't until i think the fifth anniversary i think it was a sun newspaper uh reporter uh had phoned up or somebody he, i guess he had looked at it and i guess he saw that there was changing and it was five years on and yeah. now there's you know 45 starting in the first yeah. day and so on and so on so it became sort of a thing but you could look back on what it was on opening day and it was wow yeah. Wow, I had no, I had no idea, I had no idea. Yeah, but yeah, I guess it was the whole league was primarily, uh, you know, United Kingdom. Yeah. So going back to but so Ipswich really that ninety one ninety two season though is what we come to talk about as Craig very much so, and of course that was the that was the season Ipswich Town got promoted to that Premiership. Um, I mean, what's before the season started? You went on a tour of Finland. Do you remember that, or does that is that? Wait, oh yeah. I, I, I've only got that as a note. I don't know if that means anything to you or. Well, I, we, well, we, we went, we took many trips over to Scandinavia. We were we in did, Sweden yeah, and Norway yeah. and Finland. I think we actually played a game on that tour in Finland at a place called Kemi, which was uh, 60 miles or less from the Arctic Circle. I mean, it was daylight all night long. It was, yeah. it was quite something to. Yeah be in that sort of environment you know and the same thing goes when in, in the winter time the poor buggers are 
it's dark all the time but wow that was uh that was something so yeah a small town and uh in cami preseason uh results were never something that were were truly going to you know tell you what the season's going to be like that's for sure so we never took them all that seriously although um we did get rolled over by a few teams uh, in Norway before. Now, do you and, remember and, the first match of the season? I spoke. To, I asked Jason Dazelle this, and he he remembered it. So it, was, it was yesterday. It was apparently a three-three draw at Bristol Rovers. Um, I think it might have been at Bristol Rovers. I mean, he 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 just plucked it out of the CS. Oh yeah, I remember that. This that. Do you remember? Do you remember? I mean, it's the obviously opening day. You probably just well, a, just a game. I thought I'd throw in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now now you mentioned, I wouldn't have said no. I, that was I would have known that. Now I was saying that. I think didn't Jason score though in that game? I think, well, I think he did. That's probably why he remembered it. <laughs> right. And I let in three. I'm not gonna remember that. <laughs> oh yeah, apologies. Yeah, I've been sorry, it should have been a three-nil, but it wasn't. It was a three-three. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But we start Ipswich, start Ipswich had a good start to that that campaign to this season in 91, 92, you know, as we headed towards that, getting into the premiership. Had a good start to the good start to a good feel to it all. Yeah. Um, I think by August, I think the top in August, and um, if I have a few notes here that I've made, I think apart from a loss to Sunderland and Derby, mm -hmm. and then had a really good run around Christmas. Yeah, but in between time, I think we went into a, a lull. I don't know if we won yeah. a game for six or seven or eight games, something mm -hmm. like that. It was it was a terrible spell, and you know, remember too, I think we're six years on from being in the top flight, mm -hmm. right? So the town itself was had been down on the football club for you know for a few years attendances weren't very good uh we were mediocre at best mid table there wasn't a lot of excitement going on everybody was one of the tough parts actually about uh, signing with Ipswich at that time and as opposed to other clubs when you're coming out of a golden generation you know FA Cup UEFA Cup challenging for titles that amazing group of players uh they become almost like it's it's they're expecting it they they're almost they're entitled to keep doing that like why aren't we we should be doing this again so i saw that and i saw how the players had to deal with it before i got in the first team for the years because they they were relegated you know after i was there as a youth player so i saw the devastating effects of of relegation it was for clubs and just the whole change of what it was for you know jobs and people that are getting let go and availability for players and so on and so on so that was a quite a long you know agonizing six years you know mm -hmm. to play in because we didn't have an awful lot of success we had a couple cup runs but it was uh it, it was a lot of doom and gloom around the town so that season um to put it together uh, as we did. And then we had that good run around Christmas. I think we went 10 unbeaten around then. And, mm -hmm. and then we saw the, the finish line and uh, it was in sight. And with John Lyle um, being our manager, we couldn't have been a better person for it. He was a mm -hmm. incredible guy. It's very hard to put in words what type of type of person. He was like a godfather type figure. He was a gangster type figure. He could be your dad. He could be your friend. He could be your enemy. He, you know, absolute total respect for the man. And, uh, and then learned an awful lot about West Ham as well through over the years of when, you know, Ron Greenwood, he would talk openly about all that kind of stuff. And if people wanted to listen, he was willing to talk to, to everybody. So, uh, the players had great relationships with him and, and, uh, with the utmost respect for the man, I mean John Law was what was a heck of a character, and like you say, I mean he did tremendous things at West Ham, and and and, and going back to the, end, the start of that season, I think if I remember right, as you you absolutely spot on that the, the club was really just drifting. To be honest, it it come out of the Premiership, and we, it was just drifting. And I think even going into that season, were Ipswich really the, one of the favourites to go up and get promoters? I don't think I don't believe we were. I, I, we're no. obviously one of the better sides, but I think Newcastle were there, Derby were there, Middlesbrough were there. Um, there were some good sides in there. I don't think anyone expected Ipswich not just to get promoted, but of course win win the title. It actually won the title. You know, tremendous. yeah, yeah. That that was a big thing for us too because when we get into the end, you know, we we wanted to win it. We didn't want to finish second. Second got promoted as well. We yeah, they we did, wanted yeah. to actually win the title. Mm -hmm um win a trophy like uh, that's what we're trying to do in the first place and that is it's it's a difficult league to win mm. you know because there's a lot of parity 
And then you get a couple teams. I mean, nowadays you see teams in there, they've got the parachute payments. So they, they've got this added money for yeah. a few years and some teams take advantage of that very well. And, and uh, manage that like Norwich have done, you know, become a yeah. yo-yo club because they, they're they they're not tempted to overspend when they get to the Premier League. And that often costs them their spot in the Premier League, but yeah. they're, you know, financially sound. So um, it's a little bit different, but yeah, it was, um, it was just a overall a, a grind from start to finish. Mm. And uh, when we got over the finish line and I remember we had a chance to clinch, I think it was Bristol City away. And we end up losing that one 2-1. Uh, that was a long drive home uh, for everybody and the fans because we took, I think we took four or 5,000 down there. Well, they... I mean, I mean, you're right, Gal. Again, Ipswich Town fans who have always been extraordinary travellers. I mean, you know, they're great away support as well as those, but were huge then as well. It started off quite quietly, but as it started to, to, to snowball, yeah, huge amount. I think at South End near the end oh, of the season. South End wasn't that? That was amazing. I mean, that little ground is a great little football ground too, right? Yeah. So, yeah. had that one end zone. It was just, it was just bonkers in there. I remember there was <laughs> balloons flying around and everything else. Shit, there was, it was. Oh my, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, hey, interesting, just, interestingly, South End and Cambridge United, fun enough, were another. They were good. They were both East Anglian sides and were both up there. Which I mean, South End are non-league now. It's just extraordinary, you know. I and, know. And, and, you know, and Cambridge, what well, Cambridge in the same league as Ipswich, but at the time, I mean, Cambridge nearly got in the Premiership as well. You know, absolutely. Um, Cambridge were just. A, they were close. They were yeah. close. Uh, uh, John Beck. That's right. Was the manager and yeah. former Tottenham guy too, and a, and a player. But as a manager, it was Route One. It was yes, the it was. extreme of Route mm-hmm. One. I mean, I think they even were m- more so than the crazy gang of Wimbledon. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if you did, if you play more than two touches, you're you're substituted. <laughs> so it was constantly. Uh, the goalkeepers as well. There was two goalkeepers there at the time, and they're pretty equal. So, what I heard from those guys was that they would decide on who was playing on the Saturday by their striking ability to hit this certain zone on the right flank from from the edge of the box, and that's what they did. Every there was no secrets. It was they, they're going to hit Dion Dublin. I think it might have been no, Dublin, yeah, yeah, yeah. might have been Dion Dublin at the time. There was a, they had a bunch of huge strikers, mm. and it was just. Touch, flip, and they just keep turning you over, keep spinning it, just wouldn't let you get a respite. And they put, they let the grass grow long in the corners, put sand in the corners so the ball would the get corners. I remember sand in the corners, yeah. Yeah, and the ball boys all had towels. Yeah. And they had a couple boys that could just absolutely launch it in the box, mm-hmm. throw it to the near post. I remember conceding one down there where they literally had me wrapped up <laughs> as I, I caught the ball and I, wrapped up pulling the ball off like my arms down ball drops to the ground they bang into the net and the referee actually allowed it so a little bit different than you see these days as far as protection goes but man it was effective really effective and awful to play against awful like i think in that season i think i don't think we we might have beat them at home just and then drew away, but no, I, I think I think we lost. I think we drew at home and lost away. I think yeah, I might, I might yeah. be wrong, but I, I yeah. do think. No, I think you, you, you might. Yeah. You, know, you might be right. Yeah, we didn't yeah, play them. All the way around, we lost at home and drew away at home. But mm-hmm. the good player, Ipswich had some good players. That's, I mean, very. Un- I think Ipswich went that season very underrated, but it's, it's a tr- some very technically gifted as well as strong players. I mean, your defense in front of you, Craig, was it? I mean, can, can you, I mean, Frank was there. Was it David Linegan? Neil Thompson. Yeah, Phil. Phil. Phil Whelan was Phil there. Whelan. Uh, Neil Thompson, strong. yeah, yeah. Tomo's left foot, yeah, absolute booming. You know, picked up the odd goal for us as well. And actually, he was. You know, you watch it <laughs> going back to Neil Thompson. You know, Ederson, the Man City goalkeeper, how he strike. He can strike the ball a mile yeah. and like gets there quickly. Neil Thompson was that guy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how he struck a ball. I mean, it was amazing how how well he struck a ball. Uh, but yeah, solid defensively, uh, really good. You know, John Wark as well, just his presence um, in that side, his confidence, his reading of this game, his dressing room presence, his banter. Everything about John Wark was good, great for us. Mm-hmm. It really was. He was, he was a leader um, that we really needed. 
and uh, the perfect guy for it too. Yeah, it's a good goal scorers as well in Chris Kiwami and obviously Jason. We mentioned Jason. Jason got quite a few goals. And Paul Goddard as well, of course. Paul Paul Goddard of England, I mean England international, Newcastle, West Ham. You know, great, mm-hmm. great little players. There's some really good technical players there as well. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for Paul, he, he was at the end of his career because, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, John Lyle obviously knew him from West Ham, right? Mm-hmm. So, and he had some terrific years. Uh, so I think he lost that little cutting edge that he used to have. So he never was going to do it at that level for Ipswich, but he was a great addition to the side. Yeah, He's exactly. also a very good uh, leader and great with the younger players as far as development. And, and that's why he was good at that when he got into into that later after his career too um so yeah again more experience uh in the dressing room and helping that along the way john lyle knew uh, the pieces that he always needed and and we needed somebody else to support too because chris is really the the one we relied on heavily um although we had some good midfielders too i mean jason was amazing you know just yeah, was he 16? I, mean, I remember when I was in the U team, so I just arrived and Jason had already scored in the first team because it was at the end of that season before. Scored, on his, de- scored on his debut as a, was he 16? Was he 16, and then goes to school the next morning. <laughs> I went to school next day, yeah. The next day, right? It's a midweek, and here I, I show up yeah. and I'm like, I, I can't even imagine them putting me in the first team, you know? Like, I would just... Uh, and here it is like he's already played in the first game. He made a debut already. This yeah. yeah. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he walked to the ground for the match because he only lived eight hundred yards away. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just did he lived he did live around the corner, didn't he? So he walks to the ground yeah. and makes yeah. his debut, scores, and probably goes probably goes home and has beans on toast by six o'clock that evening. He's back yeah, home. exactly. Exactly. And I mean, right. you know, his family and the yeah, with the history of Ipswich and growing up there and his brother. I remember his brother, uh, he got into all sorts of trouble. Um, because, you know, it looks like Jason, but basically with red hair, right? Ginger hair. And there was a pitch battle. I can't remember who it was. Maybe against QPR in the mid-80s. And you could see him stand out from a mile away. He's on the he's on the pitch, and he's just he's smashing one guy after another. Six foot eight or something. Just a massive man, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, boy. He stands out, and next thing you know, sure enough, he's suspended. I don't know how long for. He might have got life for suspension. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, as you say, but I mean, do, so do you remember? Do you remember winning the league? You well, obviously, of course, you do. Oxford, the Oxford game. Um, yeah, the one-one, the one-one yeah. game, Oxford. Um, yeah. When we clinched, because I think Town played Grimsby, drew nil-nil. I think that was an opportunity missed, and then. It was Oxford away. What That's what a day right. that was! What celebrations! Yeah, and it was such a small ground then too, right? Another so I don't, small I don't, ground, I don't think, ground, yeah. I don't think we had enough tickets for the amount of you know supporters that wanted to go because that one end zone was again just packed. It was a little bit like South End, you know, just everybody, everybody's anticipating the day, and uh, it went well enough where we got the draw, and then yeah, this the pitch invasion, and yeah, it was. Probably the perfect place for that because Oxford, you know, the fans were were never gonna, you know, give us any trouble for that. Just let us yeah. have some fun, and yeah. it was just um, just mayhem, mayhem. Dressing was great. So, and of course, the celebrations afterwards. Back, obviously, there was a bus tour and of the town, and you know, it's it's, it's tremendous, really. What what that that team did that year, you know, I, I always mm. think back to, well, I don't think back to, but in two thousand, it was Ipswich won the. The, the the playoff final at Wembley, um, which was which was, of course tremendous to get into the Premier League again. Yeah, that's right. What, what you guys did that's you know eight years previously, you won it. You didn't. There was no didn't have to go to the playoff. I mean, is it is really a, a more extraordinary effort than the but the, the 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 Wembley final quite rightly because of the because of the whole magnitude of the day and playing at Wembley gets all this exposure and the the, the ninety two yeah. team which arguably did it. Better because they just they won that they won the damn league by four points I think over Middlesbrough they didn't have to worry about playoffs. Um, <laughs> I so, know. So you had the trip round the Cornhill and, and round the town and you yeah. remember you remember that obviously it's yeah, oh yeah yeah no but you're right you're bang on I think that that the whole experience you know you're uh, and I mean the magnitude of the game in the playoffs at Wembley is you know especially now it's it's probably the richest game in football yeah you know it's it's all or nothing and. Uh, 
so obviously, and it's near uh, and back in time. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we, it kind of because of that, I think it's uh, and the you know the the trip down there on a on a particular final almost uh, uh, feels almost greater than actually us winning the division, which is. I think uh, our our last trophy or last yeah our last league tro- title we've we've won was that year I believe so yeah exactly because I mean yeah two thousand Ipswich finished third technically you know and then went up through the playoffs so so but it was a great yeah. don't get me wrong it was great to win at Wembley but you know just just put yeah. it in context perhaps what the ninety two team did yeah yeah you know and that that team I mean when you look at Ipswich and, and how well they did in the Premier League I think they finished fifth didn't they yeah yeah um, and then. If I'm not wrong, relegated the next year. Yeah. But in the meantime, you can understand where the club were thinking, let's tie this team down. Let's get them. Because worst case scenario, we're staying in the Premier League. But this team is capable of doing a lot more than that, as we can see. Then you get caught in relegation. And I don't think the parachute payment was, was, I think it was around, but not nearly what it is now. And it just absolutely crippled the club yeah crippled it you know it just and that's that's the dangers of it but you can understand where the club were and why you would want to you know get guys tied up on long-term contracts Mm. but you're also Mm. expecting that you're going to get the premier league money and then when that dries up and dries up quickly uh it can put you into into a into a tailspin which it did and then uh, luckily Ipswich got themselves out of that Mm. Now, of course, it's actually very similar to the 92 situation, wasn't it? Where got into the Premier League, had a few seasons, then got relegated before coming back in again. Um, I mean, what do you remember that time after 92? You know, that, those few seasons in the Premiership and and you must have enjoyed that. Oh, it was, you know, every single game and just, you know, when you're you're going to the Man Uniteds and even if the, the results aren't great, um, they, we did actually have some very good results early on. Um you know, Anfield, we get our first win at Anfield in that time. Um, all the big grounds, you know, the big clubs, the big players standing in the tunnels next to these guys. Uh, my idol when I was growing up was Bruce Grobelar. He was uh, playing for the Vancouver Whitecaps when I was just yeah. a young lad. Uh, actually got my picture taken with him uh, in Vancouver. And then he ends up at Liverpool and... Long story short, I, I end up standing in the tunnel next to Bruce Grobelar going down and Ian Rush is there and the rest of them. I'm just like, I could hardly contain myself mm. trying to concentrate on, oh, oh now I actually got to do what I'm, the reason what I'm doing is trying to, to get on the pitch in the first place. So I better start doing that. But mm. what an absolute crazy kind of almost twilight zone moment to, mm. to be next to Bruce Grobelar doing that. A long way from that 16-year-old who piped up at, at St. Leonard's Road in Ipswich that time, and suddenly there you are. That's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? How, how yeah. Life is. yeah, yeah. And and even, you know, going back that to, you know, and how proud I am to have reached that at least, uh, you know, the first day before training has started, uh, a couple of days before preseason in 84, uh, Steve McCall was in for treatment because uh, he was injured uh, it was just me and Steve McCall sitting in the dressing room and didn't know me from Adam just started chatting I'm here on trial da, da, da. and I happened to be sitting underneath Paul Cooper's uh, number 16 squad number for, yeah. for training and he's like well he says you're sitting there under that that's where Paul Cooper our goalkeeper sits and he says if you ever get a chance to sit underneath that you have done something pretty special. Yeah. And so that was always my goal to be underneath and that number yeah. 16, you know. Oh, terrific. Yeah. Terrific. And there's a lot of ups and downs along the way, and some of them good, mm. some of them bad. But yeah, that was uh it's it's not lost on me, that's for sure. Now, talking about good ups and downs, we, we have to mention some downs as well as some ups, Craig. And of course, unfortunately, um, you were <laughs> We I was working that day on the on the on, do you remember the Greenan newspaper that, that sort of used to come out oh, on Saturday? Of course. Of course, the Greenan, yeah. I was working on the Greenan that day when uh, I, I got I got probably a thousand clips of those from Ah, fantastic. Good, excellent, yeah. excellent. Yeah, well, well, terrific paper. And um yeah, unfortunately, um M- M- Manchester United nine, Ipswich Town nil, unfortunately occurred on, on what's a and you're on now you probably talked about this enough times and you really are fed up of talking about it, but I mean 
what, how, how, I mean, on, you had so many good times. We have to mention a bit of a bit of a bummer. Um, what, oh, yeah. What a day. Well, I have no time. I have no, no issues talking no, about it. it. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, John Lal had been fired uh, not that long. George Bird took over. Um, the club was definitely in a free fall. Confidence was gone. Had a few injuries. We were getting beaten up pretty badly. Um, and then you throw in the fact that Man United were neck and neck with Blackburn at the time, and goal differential could come into play. Mm. So where you usually get teams five, six up there, you keep the ball. You're not searching for more goals. If you get them fine, but you're not searching for them. You're just, you don't want to get any more injuries. The job is done, but to add more goals on the, the goal differential, um, Ferguson was just keep piling it on pot, you know, just keep going, keep going. He's encouraging it. And, and I knew exactly what he was doing yeah. and I don't blame him for it, but um, when you're up against lambs to the slaughter at that time, it was very difficult to get the guys to, you know, to, to get out of this, this fog, you know, that just seemed to last for three days. The game just would not end. <laughs> <laughs> and then also there's a couple of things. I mean, I think, you know, George looking back on it early, he would have, you know, taken different and a different approach to it. Yeah. Uh, the pre, the pre-match, chat was about them not expecting us to attack right <laughs> yeah Fair enough. and as you could tell it caught them off guard and we we're very surprised yeah. <laughs> you certainly did well you certainly did that all right Miss um... yeah yeah and we and we were, we were pushed up you know way too high you know pushing squeezing up on the halfway line with some of the fastest players in the league you know frankie yeah, was fast but you know Giggsy was just flying and then they bring on substitutes as well that are just world class and mm. yeah just kept, kept coming and coming andy cole i mean really most of andy cole i mean he scored five but uh i think a lot of other it wasn't like there was a bunch of worldies you know it was a lot of rebounds crossbar goal i'd save it goal you know is in the end i actually was surprised i was like oh he actually got five of them videos <laughs> but the only good the only good thing about it was uh I actually thought it was 10 when I, I, I thought oh, really? they, I, I thought it was 10. I talk about <laughs> fog. I was, I was all fogged up. I was ready to lose it. And then when I yeah. saw Graham pole, the referee, you know, almost running with the players celebrating. I mean, that guy was having more fun than the man you players, the referee mm. freaking guy. He was, so, <laughs> yeah, he was so arrogant, that guy. <laughs> but the, the Look, let's forget that because or despite for about 25 years, us Ipswich Town fans having to sort of hope and pray somebody was to get nine. But as you say, when people were getting five, six or sevens, we're all like, come on, come on. And they would just play keep ball because no one was bothered after I got six or seven. But <laughs> That's fortunately, true. Fortunately, That's... Southampton helped us out. I mean, that's that, and they did just help us out once. They've helped us out twice. So, yeah. That's right. And you do have a few teams like Man City, for instance, Pep, he won't stop. He won't stop. He, he'll, he, he'll keep going, you know, but you're right. A lot, you know, you, you won't see that a lot, but, and I mean, for years and years, I mean, I, I covered the Premier League for 18 years on TV here as well. And social media, yeah. if I'm watching a game, a game's at four nil at after half an hour, five nil at a half, it's like, it's the nine nil watch. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I, I know what's happening, even if I'm not watching it. Like a phone's going crazy. And and then for the longest time, it just, I don't know, seven, eight, you know, it just didn't quite get there. In the office, we used to have to be on, on standby when it got to that exact stage where someone had suddenly scored four and a half. And I used to get phone calls saying, it could be tonight. It could be yeah. tonight. And we had to sit there, get the story ready that the nine nil has eventually been beaten. Um, but yeah, it, exactly. It, 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 Cold red. Code red. <laughs> code red. Yeah, it's a bit code red. Yeah. But anyway, that's by the by. Southampton have, have, have sorted that out. So, yeah. um, look, more cheerful times um, and, and happier memories, um, Craig. And, and, you know, we, we talked about the 92s. And by the way, if you're, I hope you're Kings of Anglia uh, uh, listeners and, and viewers. I hope you're enjoying uh, listening to, well, not myself particularly, but certainly listen to Craig Forrest here, uh, here on the <laughs> Kings of Anglia podcast. It's great to have him here always live from Canada with these Ipswich Town shirts in the background. So that's great. Um, but Canada, let's talk about Canada, Craig. 56 caps. I mean, wow, congratulations. I mean, that's a tremendous achievement. You must have been 
you must be thrilled. That's a, that's a tremendous honor to represent your country so many times. Yeah, it, it was. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was. Uh, it wasn't always ideal. Um, even going back to pre- prior to the FIFA break and prior prior to the FIFA rule that clubs uh, would have to allow you to leave, clubs could stop you from going. So as disappointed as I was as a teenager when I wasn't even recognized by the Canadian Soccer Association when I was in Ipswich already for two years. Um, very backward association in the first place. Uh, we're going into the World Cup for the first time. And, you know, uh, Bobby Ferguson and Charlie Woods and guys like Brian Owen, they were, they were calling the Canadian Soccer Association like, you know, you should be, what are you doing? Like, your goalkeepers aren't at this level. Yeah. And they completely ignored me, absolutely ignored me. So I was really disappointed that I wasn't at least part uh, of that 86 World Cup team. Mm. So, and then the following year, uh, they asked if I would play, uh, they had qualified for the under 20 World Cup. So I played in that in, uh, in Chile in 1987. It was interesting because my parents were actually on a holiday in Ipswich and I was in Chile. <laughs> And during that time was the massive storm in Ipswich. Remember that storm? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course I do. Yeah, but yes, the trees blew down everywhere. Not right. the hurricane. Yep, not the hurricane. Right. So my parents are in the backyard in a caravan oh, of the Trenters. You know, Phil Trenters yeah, yeah, yeah. over. So they became good friends. They were in the, staying in their caravan in the back. And my dad said he he, he looked out the window because he was just crazy. And wow. he said the the apple tree in the back of the yard. <laughs> just spinning in circles and off it went so they figured i think we should go inside you know nobody expected anything like that right so anyway so we were in chile for that and then uh and then i made my full international uh debut in the summer of 88 um they had a three nations tournament between uh greece chile uh and canada um um called the sir stanley matthews cup because sir stanley uh, matthews lived in toronto and uh, actually played over here later in his career as well. So he, uh, yeah, he was highly uh, thought of, obviously very highly respected. So they named a little tournament after him. So that's how I made my, my Canadian debut. Now, CONCACAF in 2000, which, you, which Canada won. Um, now, now, according to my, my details here, you, you, you were the best player, the most valuable player, the most valuable goalkeeper, and you were selected in the best 11. It sounds like you single-handedly sort of won it for Canada. I'm, I'm sure you didn't, but it, it's, it's yeah. quite an impressive little, little line-up there, um, Craig. Yeah, it was, a, it was a – yeah, I was busy. I was really busy. I, I think things things went very well. Yeah, things went really well. Um, yeah, very well. Even play, play, Paolo Wanchop was playing for Costa Rica. That was in the earlier rounds. Uh, he was uh, my teammate at West Ham at the time, and and – and then just you know to to manage to play that and then get through Mexico and you know to win something that big was uh, was something I never expected. I, I love playing for Canada. I love the guys. I love getting together. Uh, we were always the national team that nobody cared about. Like, uh, and I mean that respectively, yeah. but we don't have any traveling fans. Not I mean, we're, we we bring nothing to the game. Like if we qualify for the the World Cup now, a little different. But back then, we're not bringing much to the party. If Mexico yeah. don't make the World Cup, that's a big deal in '94. Yeah. That's a yeah. really big deal. Mm. So we finished actually in '94 qualifying. We finished second in Concacaf, and it gave us absolute. Well, it gave us a quarter spot. Uh, there's only one and a quarter spots available for '94 from our region. Uh, the Americans obviously took one of the automatic because they're hosting. Yeah. Um, so. We had Mexico tied on points going to the last game and we needed to win because their goal differential was better as Teca, They would just clean, clean house with everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went one nil up and it was a great game. Very, very tight, but we ended up losing it two to one late. Um, so our quarter spot was Australia home and away, um, which we did very well and should have won that comfortably, but ended up losing on penalty shootouts in Sydney. Oh, gosh. But, yeah. but if we had beaten them, it wasn't like, no, 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 you're not in the World Cup yet. <laughs> now you've got to go to Argentina and play Diego Maradona home and away. And then 
if you win, you're you're in. So we figured once we lost to Mexico, that was <laughs> a relief. <laughs> it's gonna be pretty. It's gonna be pretty tough. Also, yeah. Australia did really well. They only lost one nil on aggregate too on a yeah. really fluky goal in Buenos Aires. So, but yeah. So we what I w- wish we had to get like is what we had now is with three and a half spots. Yeah. Because then we would have qualified, and 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 quite rightly so in in 1994. But I remember mentioning about the rule changes. Uh, John Duncan, I'd just been in the team not for very long, and I was asked to go to play in the qualifiers for 1990. Um, it was a pre-qualifying round, pretty straightforward should be against Guatemala, home and away. You go into the final group. Um, John Duncan said, "I'm not going to stop you from going." If you want to go, you can go. It's an amazing experience. You're playing for your country. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be honest with you. There's We have good goalkeepers here. Uh, I can't remember who was at the time, whether it was even Clyde Baker or Ron Fearon mm-hmm. or whoever. But if they go in and do well, I can't give you your spot back. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose your position, just, just so you know. But if you decide that you don't want to go and keep your position here, to take the pressure off you, I will tell Canada that I will not let you go. So he put it on him as opposed to knowing that it would be putting some pressure on me if I said, no, I'm not going because I want to stay here because I just got into the team. And so, and that's what, that's exactly why I didn't actually end up there. John Duncan said um, I wasn't allowed to, to go, but that wasn't actually true. Exactly. But he was also telling me the truth that, uh, you know, it's, uh... well, of course, you moved on to West Ham as after Ipswich, Craig. Um, mm-hmm. and you had a little spell there and a good little spell there. And you enjoy, enjoy West Ham, I did enjoy West Ham. I did. Um, I mean, from a footballing standpoint, I was I could have easily played my you know another five years at Ipswich, 18 years up to yeah. 20 years at Ipswich, and been completely happy, um, more than happy. But then getting the move to West Ham and just playing. In London, playing for East End uh, team like West Ham, and the, the that culture being quite different from Ipswich, um, it was it was a great experience. So I put it down to just another experience of uh, another football club that was run a little bit differently. The fans were different. Harry Redknapp was you know sideways, just you know entertainment all the time. Uh, the squad was incredible with Razor Ruddock, Decanio. John Moncur, yeah. Trevor Sinclair, Steve Lomas, Rio Ferdinand, Michael Carrick, Glenn Johnson. I mean, unbelievable squad. So we 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 did do well in the, in that too. So the five years I was there, we we're in the top ten yeah. of the Premier League every year. Yeah. So uh, it was hard not to enjoy yourself. And my teammates, my goalkeepers, uh, James was there. Uh, Shaka ended up coming. Shaka Hislop, just yeah. a terrific guy. Ludic McCloska was there when I arrived. Um, fantastic guy so we've we've been really good friends and and uh, uh kept in uh, not close contact but always kept in touch with each other over the years we've had a great relationship between between ourselves brilliant well look we've got to come to the end soon of the podcast craig it's been fantastic talking to you but look what are we up to today then so i mean i know you're doing a lot of media work and, and you've been doing a lot of po- what you're doing you probably teach us how to do podcasts you've been doing play podcasts yourselves and yeah yeah we started i mean Started doing a podcast about, well, just prior to the pandemic or maybe when it just started, um, just almost a reason to get together and, you know, at least socialize in some sort of form, right? And we could get together in, in at a location to at, at certain stages, depending on the restrictions and whatever at the time. Um, and the reason why we did it is uh, we had recently lost the rights to the Premier League. Uh, from a television standpoint, so we, we weren't we were uh, let go from that TV uh, TV station that I was at for nearly twenty years, and so we we see this changing uh, media concept. The whole how is it working? You guys are noticing this. We're doing a podcast for the East Anglian. Like this is mm-hmm. you still have to f- be creative in figuring out ways to get content and media out there. It's mm. because people aren't going physically and buying newspapers is the same. Mm. You know, it's just, it's changed. You, you know it as well as anybody. Yeah, writer, yeah, it's, it's incredibly difficult for writers. Yeah. How do writers make a living these days? And, you know, everybody with a Twitter handle is now a 
a, a journalist, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the challenges of it. Um, so, uh, it's great that you can actually compete sometimes against the, the big brands. Mm. Uh, if you do a really good job and you have good guests and you have good conversations and, mm. and I think we, you know, we did that. So about four or five of us with some experience in broadcasting, um, have taken on the likes of ESPN and in the football realms and, and some of the, the, the top podcasts. And so for the most part, we're the, the top podcast, soccer podcasts in Canada. What that means, not an awful lot, but the fact, the fact that <laughs> well, we're ahead of ESPN and, and some of the BBC ones even and that, whatever, so it's, uh, we must be doing something right. So it, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And we did, yeah, and we're just trying to sort of mostly promote um, and a little bit educate some of the new soccer fans in Canada because our national team are doing so well. Mm. Um, people are jumping on the bandwagon. But they don't have any idea about history or how did we get here or mm. all these different things. So we interview past players, uh, past mm. board members, uh, you know, even guys over in England, Trevor Sinclair and Lomas yeah. and all those. Yeah. So we all that kind of thing. You know how that how it works, and uh, it, it's it's really fun. I really enjoy it. And doing podcasts like this, it gives you a chance to give you more than a thirty second sound bite to mm. try to explain something like, okay, you got thirty seconds. Tell us about your career in Ipswich. You know. Yeah. So, you can really hash things out and it's real. And I think people yeah. really feel that and it's a habit changing thing. But once yeah. people change their habits, we see this type of thing growing all the time. So thanks a lot, Mike, and all the very best with, uh, with it. And, uh, uh, and no, it's, an absolute, it's an absolute pleasure. An absolute pleasure. Do you, do, you, do you still follow, are you following Ipswitchers, how, how they get on? Do you still look out for them? I do, of course. Uh, a little bit harder uh the zone have the championship and then when they got hooked up, it's like oh now like it's it's hard to see coverage of them i over here of course. Mm. right and the further they drop down the pecking order <laughs> well hopefully we hope we're all hoping they might slightly have just be turning the corner slightly up and got a new, new manager and, and maybe hopefully things will, will be turning out but um look yeah. Craig, um if you had to look back a few moments in time particularly at Ipswich, I suppose, um, what would they be? I mean, what would you, you know, a few, a few moments at Ipswich, that 92 season or other times? You know, I, I'd have to say it, it, all in all, it, the, the, the biggest and the best things about it were being able to come through generations and meet guys and be trained with Paul Cooper and Terry Butcher and George Burley and meet guys and know the history like Alan Brazil and, and, and on and on it went. And then to play with the guys and the relationships that you build, the Neil Thompson's, the Frank Yallops, you know, Dave Linnigan's and Chris Kawami came over here, Jason Dizel. These, these are all the things that you remember more than actually games or moments. Uh, other than that, I would just say every single time I walked on the pitch for Ipswich, especially in the top flight, was a was an absolute honor absolute mm. honor yeah well thank you craig it's been an absolute honor to talk to you if you don't mind me saying i mean it's you know as i said ipswich town you know they've won some trophies not a huge amount but you know that 92 season um was a terrific effort to get back into the into the inaugural premiership um it really was and it's great to see you from canada with your shirts and everything that's what i like to see that's like <laughs> top, top man craig thank you ever so much for your time really appreciate it and i'm sure Ipswich fans will have appreciated listening to you good luck with everything and uh, good luck with that podcast don't, don't don't do too well though you mustn't take over kings of anglia podcast but, oh, I, um, I doubt it but <laughs> <laughs> thanks craig Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Have a great day. From true crime to football, Brexit to football, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
custom archer, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archer.